We are in week five of a series called Hostage, and you've got to see that creepy video for five weeks in a row now, as we've talked about things in life that, that tend to trap us, that, that cause us to feel like there's this captor out there holding us hostage, and sometimes we get so comfortable with our captor that we just think that's the way life is supposed to be, and people go through life being held hostage. And so we said, what if we did several weeks on how to break free from the things in life that hold us hostage and keep us from living the life that God called us to live? So that's what we've been doing for five weeks. We've talked about how we can be held hostage by our own identity. And we can be held hostage by by bitterness and not forgiving and anger. And then addictions can hold us hostage. And there's a lot of other addictions than the big ones that automatically come to mind. And then a lot of people are held hostage by worry. It's been so encouraging to hear story after story of people who have broken free over the last few weeks of just sharing God's word and, and Jesus' desire that everybody lives free. If you've experienced over the last month a breakthrough or something that, that you know I am just set free, just write that on the back of your WhatsApp card. Just put free. If you don't want to put what you've been set free from, that's okay. But just write free or I've been set free just so we know. Here are some people and here's the number of people who have really broken free from some things that hold them hostage. So please take a minute sometime uh, before you leave today and write that on the back of your WhatsApp card. And if you want to put what it is, that's fine too, just so we know. Well, today's issue that we all need to break free from may sound sort of, it may sound kind of elementary. It may sound very basic, like, wow, we're going through that again, or, or that's something that, that, that's pretty, pretty clear uh, to everybody early on in life, that it's easy to be held hostage by that. And this is a topic that, when, when I taught college students for 12 years, that I remember going through over and over again, because so many people deal with this thing over and over again, and that's being held hostage by, by our words, by our tongue, by the things that we say, by the way that we communicate. A lot of people are held hostage by that. Our oldest daughter is now 13, almost 14 years old, and she did not speak intelligible words until a little after four years old. And we would ask the doctor, oh, everything's fine, she'll talk, and, and she couldn't talk. She would just say these things that we had no idea what she was saying. And, and finally, we got to the right place and the right therapist and the right speech therapist and got her diagnosed and got her treated. And if you know Molly, our oldest, she has no problem talking uh, today. But, but early on, we were really concerned because she just couldn't make the words. And we found out after she was diagnosed, what's called verbal dyspraxia, and she, she could form the words in her mind, but they wouldn't come out. She couldn't get her mouth to say the words. It's not a lot unlike what a stroke patient has to deal with when they can see it and think it, but they just can't say it. So you can imagine how frustrating it was for Cinda and I when we had this three-and-a-half, four-year-old trying to say candy, ice cream, whatever, and it just came out, you know, totally unintelligible. It was frustrating because her mind was working, but her mouth wouldn't. Some people have the opposite problem. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, come on, everybody's awake now. Their mouth works, but their mind doesn't. And there's a treatment for that. There's a way to fix that that's not violent. There's a way to fix it. When our mouth works before our brain does, it can get us into a lot of trouble. I remember one time this lady came up to me, and not in this church, it was a long, long time ago, and and she just had all these things to say, and she had it to say over and over again. And and finally, what was in my head came out of my mouth, and the first thing was, you need to repent. And I didn't say it with any love at all in my heart. Obviously, she didn't, and, you know, it was a little rocky after that, but my words got me in trouble. Before I thought through it, I was talking. How many times have we been in a conversation and your mind catches up with your mouth and you're like, oh, shoot, I should not be saying this or I wish I could suck those words back in. We have on average about 30 conversations a day. Every day, 30 conversations. In a year, you will have spoken enough to fill up 66 books, 800 pages long. What if I had your book today? What if I carried in these, this big 800-page 800, 800 book, slapped it down here, and we just started opening it up, and we started reading your words? You would probably find yourself saying, oh, I didn't say that. I, I shouldn't have said that. Or, no, that's really not what I meant. It, it, it came out wrong. I shouldn't have said it that way. A lot of us speak our words before we ever think about it in those 30 conversations a day that our 800 page book is filled with words that we wish we could take back I can remember I remember in especially in in middle school having this one particular teacher who who would get me she would make me angry I'm sure I made her angry but she would make me angry and I her name was Miss Curtis and 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 I found out later, it's a long story, she had a brain tumor. It was a whole big, long thing, and I felt bad after that. But, but she, uh, she would say, Donnie, choose your words. Choose your words. And you maybe, had, maybe you've had your parents say something like, choose your words, boy. Choose your words, woman, girl. Because it's very important that we choose the words that we say and how we say them because words have this amazing ability to to encourage to build up to make us happy to make someone feel like they're on top of the world but if you grew up in a house where words were not chosen carefully and angry words may have been spoken to you by a parent or another relative or maybe a spouse has spoken angry mean hateful words those go really deep And those hurt, and you may be a long way through life with kids of your own, but you'll have a trigger, and you'll remember these terrible words that were said to you. So it's important that we choose our words carefully. When Gerber Baby Food decided they were going to market their baby food in Africa... They just package the baby food like they do now with the little picture of the baby on the front and they put whatever language it was on there and, and African language and characters and all that. And they didn't realize that in Africa, most people can't read. And the way companies in Africa operate is they put a picture on the can of what's inside there. So that's what people think when they see it. So can you imagine to the horror when they walk in a grocery store and they see pictures of little cans with babies on it? 
what they think might be inside. It's important to think about our words. When Coca-Cola first shipped to China, they named the product something that, when it was pronounced, sounded like Coca-Cola. The only problem when they used the characters to make that sound, it meant bite the wax tadpole. And they later changed it to a set of characters that they still use today that just means happiness in the mouth. When, when Pepsi first started marketing its products in China, it was when they had that big Pepsi brings life. Pepsi brings life and life and Pepsi, they were connected. Somehow, if you drank Pepsi, you'd have a better life. And here's what the Chinese heard. Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave. Words not chosen carefully. When Coors began marketing their product in Spanish-speaking countries, they used a slogan called, that said, turn it loose, which in Spanish, when it's translated, some people thought it meant suffer from diarrhea. So it's very important to choose our words. And that's funny, but there are words that we choose sometimes that cause pain and break up relationships hurt people, and confuse people. So why is it so important? Because the Bible has something to say about our words. There's a Bible, if you want one, coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We give these out every week at LifePoint because the words in there are true. They'll lead you into what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And we encourage everybody to have a Bible and read your Bible. And if you don't know where to start, talk to us and we'll tell you. But Raise your hand, take one of those. You can follow along in there or on the screen. There's an index in the front. I'll tell you where the books are that I'm going to read from. The Bible is yours to keep. The reason we should choose our words carefully is because Jesus believed that there was so much power in our words, that they had so much power that it was not just the words. Jesus believed that words reflect what's on the heart. That's what he believed. So when you start talking, Jesus would believe that whatever's coming out of your mouth started somewhere else. It didn't start in your mouth. It started somewhere else. One time Jesus was in his ministry just healing people, helping the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. And, and the religious people got upset because Jesus wasn't doing it in their box, in their rules. Not much has changed with religious people in 2,000 years. But they were upset. And they started saying, Jesus, you are doing good things, but you're doing it in the name of Satan. It's by the power of Satan himself that you are doing these miracles. So Jesus talks to them about how, look, nothing bad can come from something good. And nothing good can come from something bad. He uses a tree to say, look, a a tree, you'll know a tree by its fruit. A good tree doesn't bring forth bad fruit. A bad tree doesn't bring good fruit. So look at the fruit and you'll know what's deep inside of its roots. You'll know what's deep inside. And Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 34, when people were wondering why he was and how he was healing, he said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in my heart can become an action. When I'm held hostage by my words, it comes out in a lot of different ways. And today I'm going to share with you like, just three ways that, that our words come out, where they're damaging, when they come out of our mouths, how they can cause problems. The first one is, my words cause a problem, my words are gossip. Now what's gossip? 
Well, gossip is something that destroys trust, destroys relationships. In the New Testament book of James, he talks about the tongue when he's talking about our our words. And he says the tongue is so powerful, it's like a rudder steering a ship. You've got this huge ship, and you've got this one little rudder that just steers it. That's how your tongue is. You've got this big, long life, and you've got your words that can steer your very life. You've got this huge horse, James says, and you put bits in its mouth, and you can take those bits that are maybe this long, and you can guide that horse any way you want to. And you've got this fire, this whole forest that's set on fire, these huge flames. We see it on TV, especially out west, all the time, these huge flames destroying houses, and it all started by one little spark. So he says, your tongue's like a rudder. Your tongue is like bits in the mouths of horses. Your tongue is like a spark. So your tongue can set the very course of your life. So the words that you use are important. And when those words are gossip, it can even it harms other people's lives. Jesus would say, all that comes from within. And I've heard people say, well, it's not gossip, it's the truth. I'm telling the truth. It's the truth. It can't be gossip. I was making a prayer request, simple prayer request. Just happened to tell you everything was going on in somebody's life in that prayer request. But Lord, bless them, help them. And this is the way I'm going to tell people about something they don't even need to know about. So how do I know if I'm gossiping? Because you do have conversations in your life that are about other people, maybe when they're not present. How do I know if that's gossip or not? Well, is it... Are you trying to be part of the problem, part of the solution? Sometimes just talking about, all the time just talking about it never solves anything. But maybe you need to have a conversation to help somebody, to help be part of the solution, to help them get to another step, to help them get better, to help them realize what's going on in their life. You have to have those conversations if you're part of the solution. But if you're just giving information, I told you this is basic stuff. You're just giving information to say, oh, listen to this. Listen what I got. This is good, juicy stuff. You're just giving information. That's just gossip. There's some words that get my gossip meter up. Like when I hear people use them, the gossip meter goes from boop, 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 boop. What if you had one of those? I've got one. It's in here. And when I hear these words, it starts getting faster and faster and faster. When I hear somebody start a conversation with, well, they said, they said, now this is what they said. I've never been able to find out who they is, who they are, who, who's they, who's the they person, who are they? Usually it's like, well, it's my husband, my wife, you know, that's the they, it sounds like this big group of they, they said this, they said that, who, who are we talking about when we say they, when I hear they said, I mean, my gossip meter is like, ding, all the way up, another, another one is, well, I heard, I heard, here's what I heard. I heard that this, and I heard that that, and I heard that that. When I hear I heard, and they said, I want to say, where and who? And if you start saying that to people, wow, you, you talk about, when somebody comes up to you and says, they said, who said? Uh, they did, who's they? Well, them, who's them? Well, those people, what people? And you, you just keep drilling down and down and down, and you find out this is nothing but gossip. I've heard somebody say that I heard and they said are the two biggest liars in the world. 
I heard and they said. It's a clear indication that gossip is lurking. So be careful with your words. I'm talking about they said and I heard. Proverbs 26 verse 20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. The Hebrew word that's translated gossip in the Old Testament is defined as one who reveals secrets. One who goes about as a talebearer or scandal monger. People who gossip are held hostage by their words. And just because it's true doesn't mean it's not gossip. You're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Another thing my, that my heart that reflects what's on my heart are lies. When people lie, it reflects what's on the heart. When my words are words of untruth, Jesus would say, well, that's really reflecting what's in and on your heart. When our girls were very small and toddlers and a little bit older, that you know, like all kids, they would say they did something that they did, and you would say, did you do that? No, it wasn't me. No, it didn't do that. Not me, Dad. So I, I devised this way that I could tell if they were telling the truth. I would go up to them, and I would feel their little heads. I'd go, ah, uh, it's a little warm. I, th- I don't think you tell me the truth, which totally kills my illustration, I guess, about truth. But, but, <laughs> but I would do that, and, and they would be like, he's magic. How did he know? So it would be putting him in bed at night, and, and I would say, honey, did you brush your teeth? Uh-huh. And I would feel her little head. I'd already felt the toothbrush to tell it was dry and wasn't wet, so I knew. And I would, I would feel her head, and, and I would say, Ah, uh, uh, you didn't. You're not telling me the truth. And she'd be like, he's magic. How did, how did that work? I didn't know that. So what if we could tell people, what if we could tell when people were lying? You could tell 100%. If you could just feel their head, yeah, that's a little warm. I do not think that's true. I mean, don't try it. It'll freak people out. But what if you could? You know, lying or exaggerating, which is also lying, is just a way to make yourself look better, make somebody like you, or to maybe get you to another level that you think, well, if I tell this truth or if I say this and avoid a consequence, if you make a habit of lying about yourself or your past or present or future, you've got to have a great memory. Man, I figured this out early on in life. It's like, you've got to remember, if you tell a lie, you got to remember the lie, and you got to remember what really happened, and you got to remember what you said to this person, you got to remember what you said to that person, because if somebody else asks you about it later, it's like, uh, well, whatever, I told you. No, you, you got to remember. You've seen on the news just in the last week that, that balloon out in Colorado, that, that there was a big hoax that went up, they said there was a five-year-old boy in it, and it wasn't, his family trying to figure out a way to get on a reality show. So they staged this big hoax and they coached all the kids to lie and they had their lie down and they got on national TV and a reporter asked the little five-year-old boy, why were you in that box? Well, so we could get the TV show. He just told the truth. The poor little kid was being coached to lie by his parents, but when he got under pressure, he just told the truth because it's easy, easier to remember the truth than it is to remember a lie. So liars have to have great memories. When Jesus said, the truth will set you free, 
He wasn't just talking about salvation. I mean, it's context. He's talking about, I'm the truth, and if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But if you tell the truth, if you live in truth, you will be free. You won't have to worry who's going to find out what. You won't have to worry like, oh, what if they talk to this person? What if they find out this really didn't happen? Or, or what if they go around and find out what really happened? If you just tell the truth, there's a certain amount of freedom you live with that you'll never live with if you constantly tell lies and make exaggerations. Maybe you sit, you're sitting here, and as I'm talking about it, you know a lie that you're telling right now. You know a lie that you're living right now, and you're thinking, I couldn't possibly come clean and tell the truth because it would do too much damage. It would hurt too many people, and it would, I, I just can't tell the truth. I've got to keep living this lie. And I say, tell the truth. It might damage relationships. It might end relationships, but you'll have a better chance If you tell the truth now of leading to long-term intimacy, then you ever will by continuing to live a lie. Some of you need to make some phone calls. need to walk into the other room and say, here's a lie that I've been living. And just tell the truth, deal with it. And that's the best chance of long-term intimacy is telling the truth now and stop living the lie. Proverbs 12, verse 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. The word detests there comes from a Hebrew word that just means something disgusting, something that makes nauseous. So lying makes God sick. Lying makes God want to vomit, makes him want to puke. When people tell lies, he's saying, oh, why do you do that? It digs the hole so deep, it's so hard to get out. Just tell the truth. And so many people live their whole lives just lying. And that's not how you were meant to live. You can break free from it. You don't have to live a hostage to lies. My words reflect what's on my heart when, that's a biggie, when I'm caught up in complaining. How many people in here, and I can see you, how many complain? Anybody in here complain? Raise your hand. Come on, bring it. Let's just see it. Okay. <laughs> how, many, how many of you are sitting next to a complainer who did not raise their hand? And you'd like to complain about that. More hand, uh, Those hands went up fast. Yep. Right here, here's a complainer. I want to I want to file a complaint. You know, complaining is easy. It's easy to fall into that trap of complaining. I struggle with it. I really do. Because I want to see things done well and I want to see them done right. E- even when we look at, you know, my responsibility to lead this church. It's easy sometimes, at least in my mind, I don't do it verbally that often, but to to fall into this mode of just complaining because I want to see things done well, and I want to make sure the message of Christ is, is presented in a way that helps people see that Jesus is the answer, that that's truly what's going to bring them to the life they were supposed to live. And when I see things not lining up and doing that the best I know we can do it, I can complain a little bit, if only just to myself. And if you're one of those people that your desire to see things done well and with excellence gets mixed up with not being content, then you can become a complainer. It's easy to step over that line from, I want this done well, 
to I'm just a complainer. So we have to be careful about our words. The fact is there's negative things in life and it's easy to slip into the mode of focusing on what's negative. You've got to focus on something. And some people who complain just focus on the negative. Philippians 2 verse 14 and 15 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. What does this say to do without complaining? Say that back to me. Everything. Man, you mean get up early? Yep. You mean you mean clean? Yep. You mean do things like, you know, unstop the, the, the food that's stuck in the garbage disposal? You, you mean deal with this, deal with that? Yeah, everything without complaining. And we probably fail on this one more than any of the others that I've talked about today. Because it's so easy to fall into that mode. But God says, I want you to do everything without complaining. And this is a whole other message. Or arguing. Man, read that one to your kids. <laughs> don't complain, don't argue. God said it. It comes from God. You know, I've noticed that complaining negative people can always find something to complain about. Either it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too sunny, it's too cloudy. I, this job's too much this, too much that. My boss is too much of this, too much of that. I need this, I need that. I mean, just complaining all the time. Complaining people are very difficult to be around. Maybe if, if you feel like nobody wants to be around me, maybe you need to think about your words. Well, nobody ever wants to be around me. I'm by myself all the time. Life is terrible. People are bad. People are mean. I'm all alone. Stop complaining. And maybe somebody would like to hang out with you a little bit. I mean, are you the kind of person that the way a room gets brighter is when you leave? If that's you, you might want to think, maybe I need to stop with the complaining. I've never heard of a joyful complainer. I've never heard of anybody who whines and moans, but yet has great contentment in their life. Those things don't go together. He's so happy, but he's a complainer. Nobody ever says that. Oh, look how happy they are. They just complain all the time. They're not happy with anything. No, joy and complaints don't go together. You can't be content and be a complainer all the time because if you are it will mess up your career it will mess up relationships it'll mess up your marriage if you're all the time thinking he's not enough this she's not enough that i wish they would do that if that's just a constant never ending thing now of course we have to have conversations about addressing issues that may exist in life right i mean you have to say honey could you could you maybe just try this out that's not always complaining, but you got to take some action. Complaining is not taking any action. Complaining is just using words negatively over and over again. You do have to sometimes hear some words that you may not want to hear. That doesn't mean the person is complaining. They're just trying to spur you on to some action, like, come on, get off the couch. You know, I'm laying on the couch all day watching TV. Well, get off the couch. That's not complaining. That's a reality that you need to move on, that you need to discuss. But complaining constantly will never lead to joy. Now, Scripture is God-breathed. We believe at LifePoint all Scripture comes from God. So no matter what it says, I didn't write it. We're just reading it. We're just 
We're just um, hearing what God has to say. So this next scripture is not a Donnie scripture. It's not, I didn't put any words into this, totally in context. But we're going to read this together about what God thinks about complaining. Not out loud, but just, just take a look at it. In Proverbs chapter 21, it says, it's better, okay, here we go. Oh, it's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Now, now guys, before you clap your hands, don't start yet. You could take out wife and put husband or kids, right? Women are like, thank you. Thank you, pastor. Appreciate you pointing that out. But it's for real. God is saying living with a complainer and just... Just imagine the word wife is not in there and imagine it's husband. Imagine it's kids. Whatever. Living with a complainer creates a difficult life. And what God is saying, look, you'd be better off in the desert all alone with nothing to drink or eat than having to constantly live with somebody that's complaining. Now, I'm not giving you a free pass to go home and pack your bags. That's not what I'm talking about. But God is saying... When you have to be around somebody that's complaining all the time, it zaps the very life out of you. You need to do something about it. Listen to this. U.S. News and World Report a while back said that in your marriage, if you speak one in ten of your statements with a negative tone towards your spouse, just 10%, your marriage has a better than 90% chance of ending up in divorce. Just one in ten statements, and your marriage has better than 90% chance of ending. So if you are constantly complaining, and you know if you are, you know if you're going, oh man, why didn't I stay in bed today? I didn't know I was going to get this. If you're constantly complaining, ask yourself what's on your heart. Because your words reflect what's on your heart. Gossiping words come from a gossiping heart. Lying words come from a lying heart. Complaining words come from a complaining heart. That's what Jesus believed. That's not my take, not my interpretation. That's what Jesus said. And after he said those words in Matthew, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen how he backs it up by saying this in the rest of the verses. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. I'm known by my words, and my words reflect what's on my heart. And you might say, well, I didn't mean to say that. It was just like my my filter, you know, or it just came out. I don't know where it came from, but here's what happens. We have this filter that we put up that filters out what's in our heart to make sure we say the right words. And when everything lines up just right, that filter comes down and what's really deep down inside, boom, it comes out. So you think they're explosive when they get mad, man, stuff just comes out that's not them. Jesus would say that is them. That's just the real them. When that stuff comes out and you think, well, that's not that's out of character. Jesus would say, no, that is your character. Because really, it's not being held hostage by your words. Jesus would say you're held hostage by what's in your heart. Because that's the source of the words. 
From a negative heart flows negative words, which generally become negative actions, resulting in, in a miserable life. Now, doesn't that make you feel like, great, let's go conquer the week. Thanks for the encouragement today. I appreciate it. I mean, that's kind of a, like, wow, I mean, the, the words that come out of my mouth came from my heart. That's why we decided to address some very difficult things in this series, because every week when we talk about what holds us hostage, I don't want you to leave feeling like, oh my gosh, I just got beat up at church. That was like a spiritual knockout. My goodness. I come to church with my Krispy Kreme, my coffee, and I go in there and I get beat up. And I get told that I got this nasty heart and things inside are bad. I want people to leave not thinking that. I want people to leave knowing where the source is to set them free. So this is not about let's beat people up with topics that... that that, that's just going to make them feel terrible and convicted. Let's build people up with telling them what the source of freedom is. And if you're having trouble with your words, with gossip and lies and complaining, allow God to do a work in you this week because you can do it. You can get past being held hostage by your words. You, you can change what's in your heart. Scripture says clearly, I'll give you a brand new heart. I will fix it. God says he can fix it. So this week, allow God to do a work inside of you because he can do it and you can be set free. You don't have to feel like, man, I feel guilty for that. You don't have to live like that, feeling the guilt for the words that you use because you can change from the inside and only God can do that. And every message in this series is just pointing to Jesus being the source of breaking free. So this week, here's a good way to start. Just shut your mouth. That, that's it. Just start shutting your mouth. And let those words run through and figure out where those words are coming from before you ever say them. Read some of the scriptures that, that I shared with you today. When you go out today, we've got these little scripture cards. Little scripture memory cards, business card size fit in your wallet, go on your dashboard. Somebody told me after first service they were in a friend's car that goes to our other site, which heard this message last week, and, and they said, wow, where did you get that? And she said, well, you're going to get it at church this week. And she couldn't wait to get her scripture card. The big point today, my words reflect what's on my heart. Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, is on the front. And then on the back, there's several scriptures that I read today, not the one about a complaining wife. You'll have to go back and look that one up on your own. That was not the focus of today, by the way, okay? You heard nothing else I said. Guess what the Bible says? Guess what the Bible says? You're going to share that verse with a bunch of people this week. Put these in your somewhere where you can see them, where you can read them, where you can memorize them. And this week, when you're ready to start talking as you normally would, whether it's gossip, lies, or complaining, remember what Jesus believed. My words reflect what's on my heart. I see a lot of people looking for peace in their life today. And Jesus is the only source of that peace. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, it says this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. The way to peace is to change what's in our heart, and that will change what comes out of our mouth. Let's pray. God, I pray for uh, every person today, because we all deal with uh, 
either gossiping or lying or complaining. And Father, I pray that we, we are convicted by the words that you said. And Father, for the people that, that are sitting here saying, I've got to stop using those words. I've got to stop saying that. I've got to stop living a lie. I pray that you would be with that one person that's here today that, that knows they need to come clean and tell the truth. I pray you would give them the courage to do that. Father, our words, our words are so reflective of what's inside. But when you change our heart, it changes our words. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name.